Hello, and welcome to the April episode of the Bellingham Veg Fest show. This is Tamara. Hi, this is Selena. Uh, super excited. We have someone that we actually know. Well, I guess we know most of our guests. True. It's true. So Amanda from the Animal Rights Initiative, and we're going to discuss the fur ban. And I should say before we get started that we are going to probably discuss some things that are pretty cruel, you know, which it is difficult to listen to. Just be aware that that's going to happen in this episode. It's difficult to talk about, but it's it's difficult to talk about. We need to have those difficult discussions, don't we? So welcome, Amanda. Some of you may have met Amanda because Amanda was at our very first Veg Fest here in Bellingham and was at the Animal Rights Initiative dairy, non-dairy sampling where um, they sampled some non-dairy. That was a big hit. That was a huge hit. Thank you so much for being a part of that. Welcome, Amanda. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. So we, we always like to start the program by asking about your personal vegan story. What inspired you to go vegan? Sure. I spent the majority of like my teenage years as vegetarian. I went back and forth it a little bit, which now looking back, I think, oh, I obviously wasn't doing it for the animals. Now I would be mad at my older self, you know. But then when I moved to Washington when I was 21, veganism was everywhere. Like there, like there were so many restaurants. Like and in Portland too, um, we everywhere we drove, we were like, wow, there's vegan restaurants everywhere. And I had never really considered it before. I was just one of those people that didn't know that dairy was a thing. You know, I didn't know how cruel it was and I didn't know how cruel eggs were. Not that I was obsessed with those things, but once it became accessible to me and I was really thinking about it and I had a friend confront me about why I wasn't vegan versus vegetarian, uh, eventually it clicked and I couldn't participate in the animal cruelty anymore. I couldn't participate in wasting their lives, you know, like they deserve to live. I don't know why we would be taking that from them if we had an alternative, you know? I think that's a really common, that's, we hear that a lot. I mean, same thing with me, you know, you you ditch me, you ditch me first thinking that you're, you know, you're not causing any harm, not realizing what eggs and honey and, and dairy and all that. There's, there's more, there's so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that we we do better as we learn, right? Absolutely. You know, so it's funny. It's interesting to hear you say that you felt that there were so many vegan options. Um, what year was that that you moved to Washington? Good. That was in 2009. I moved from Maryland where there was basically nothing. Like I had literally never even heard the term veganism before moving to Washington. Yeah, back in 2009. So I guess it was probably on your radar because you were already vegetarian. So you were looking for meatless options. And so then it, it would be more prevalent to you then to see that. It's interesting. I don't usually hear that, you know, that there's so many options, especially back then. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely back then there were so little compared to what there are now. But yeah, I just remember feeling like, wow, I would never be vegan enough to live here in Portland. And then oh, wow. later I was vegan, like trying to convince it people that I knew to go vegan that it's just wrong it's we have the we have other options so why would if we didn't need to right totally so what inspired you to get into activism well I always was doing activism I've always been doing activism for like human rights even when as a teenager I could go to like say like pride festivals like based off of their race or based off sexuality i've always been fighting for them 
But then when I moved to Washington, after a couple years, they I saw an AV group, like an AV event. If you know Anonymous Rewards, I know that you both do. And I attended it, and it was just spectacular. Like We just impacted so many people in that moment, and every single time that we went, we impacted people. It was just like mind-blowing that you had a passerby and that every single time that you went out there and stood up for animals, you of them a year. Like if you think about just one person going vegan spares 200 animals just in their diet, Veganism is a lifestyle. It's not just their diet. We're sparing the animals like in bullfighting, sparing the animals in circuses, aquariums, and just everything. It's it's limitless. Like once you stop eating them, it filters into the rest of your life. Like you stop buying products that are tested on animals. Like I I would say it's more like thousands of animals a year are spared when somebody goes vegan. And if you can put one puzzle piece into their mind, it's worth it. You know. Um. So since then, I've been really into it like trying to have as many events as i could like really diverse events too so yeah so let's yeah that was a couple years, three years ago yeah so let's talk about the animal rights initiative because it is certainly i think it's it's one of my favorite organizations because it's really out of the box and you kind of do and i'll let you talk about it but i just kind of want to talk about it because i love it so much. but i love the um you kind of just do the activism that you feel that is needed at that moment in time. So it could be vegan outreach or, you know, samples or whatever, but kind of tell us how you got started with that and tell us a little bit more. We actually started the group back, I think in December, 2018. Um, and we did it because we didn't feel like there were enough groups nearby hosting events fast enough. Like we wanted to do it all the time. If we were available, if one of us was available, we should be out there. So about eight of us got together, we formed our group, and then we started brainstorming on ideas, and we just started hosting events right away. Eventually, everybody got into their own things. People moved outside of the group, and there are still a couple of the original members uh, working with us, but right now, it's just me as the president. I mean, is there anything else that you guys want me to elaborate on? Yeah, I mean, well, we maybe, maybe talk about, um, so what... Specifically, what types of events would, did you facilitate or organize um, in the Seattle area? Okay, yeah, the group organized so many different types of events. We had um, outreaching events where we trained other people to outreach. So we had Earthling Ed come out and do a work with us, and we have done marches. We did food samplings. We've done a few vegetables that we've done. Yeah, everything, VR demos, everything that we could think of. We, we tried to do it. We've done disruptions. Um, and we went to legislature, too, because we felt like people going vegan is really awesome, but it's not going fast enough, you know? Every year that we're doing this activism, people born into the world that are eating meat and killing animals, like, not even intentionally killing animals, just participating in their own culture, blindly killing animals against their own, you know, knowledge. And so we decided to take on legislature, too, because we wanted to make it illegal to hurt these animals and it should be and we've found most people believe that it should be so we haven't really kind of we haven't really faced any kind of like opposition to the bill it, only really the fur farmers themselves have been opposed to the bill and of course they would be now, I think the first time that I met you, Amanda, was at the Vegan Light Brigade um, when we did the Banford in Washington 
the vegan light brigade. And that was Great. Awesome. okay. Yeah. That was awesome thing to be part of. And that's another um, organization in Seattle, or I guess, um, I guess it's an organization. I don't know. Vegan light brigade is, but they do, they do a variety of different things like go vegan or ban fur in Washington was the one where I met you. And that was just over a year ago, I believe when you were really getting really started with the legislature and, and moving in governmentally, like how can we get the government to do something and instead of just counting on our community to do something you like, you know, that we need to, we need to go further than just community. Right. I agree. I think that, I mean, I'm a big fan of vegan outreach. I love talking about the benefits of, you know, going vegan um, and people changing their lifestyles. But you can only talk to so many people in a day, right? Or um, so I think that that's why I would love to talk about this initiative because this is this is something that could change. You know, changing the laws can is going to make the biggest difference for the animals, like right away. Um, so let's talk about the fur ban initiative. What what was that like getting that started? I mean, it was the first one you've ever done, right? Yeah, it was the first one that I've ever done. I had to go onto Washington legislative website and look at their bill drafting guide and sort of learn the whole process like from square one. I had to look up every law in effect already regarding these animals, regarding animals that are trapped and farmed and sold for their fur and basically take all of that, put it in a document and then using the drafting guide, amend the bills myself like with which based off of the California and New York bills that were introduced to really come up with the the full and at the end that we uh we got representative Amy Wingland to introduce. Yes, and that's a very important step. You have to have a representative um um sign on to the bill, right? And represent and be the representative for that bill. Right. Yeah. So I know that there's a variety of animals that are used for fur. I know that, you know, there's rabbits and um, foxes and all that. What, what is the most common in the Pacific Northwest? Well, in Washington, they actually, the only animal that came up in our investigation were minks. So there's only a handful of mink farms left in Washington. Currently. We actually have three in Whatcom County. And they're specifically yeah. mink. Right? They're mink yes. fur farms. They're all by the same owner, but there are three separate farms. So that they've been around for as long as I remember. I mean, there are people I went to high school with that worked there in their, in their teens. And then high school was a long time ago for me. So they've been around for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm aware of several mink farms right here. It's But the bill actually mentions four different species of animals, correct? There are a few different types of animals that are farmed for their fur. Yeah, foxes and chinchillas and minks and one other I'd have to reference though. But we wanted to go inclusive. We don't want the mink farmers to transition to other animals. That's not the point. That was yeah, that was my next question because uh, the bill, I, I can't remember the four animals, but it, it it bans those four animals. So the question is, would they just then go to, and then farm another animal is, was the question. So besides, besides fur farmers, what other opposition have you seen or heard from with other sides? Or what, what would people argue 
against this. Well, a few of the arguments that we heard against it were just that they were trying to create a mink vaccine to vaccinate um, hundreds of thousands of animals somehow, as if that would be an effective use of our time and resources. Uh, they also, uh, there was also opposition from just a regular farmer too, saying that, because I know there was one, the one person that said they were going to vaccinate them. And then one that said, that there wasn't really too much of a risk of COVID spreading. And then there was one that said that these were family businesses and that we were putting them out of business. Yes. So family businesses. Also, I heard that the concern with synthetic, you know, what people use for fur is they consider is not as sustainable, they say, but we, you know, we know that they also use really terrible chemicals for in fur farming too, that is terrible for the environment. And I think I remember another opposition, which you had meant, which you were mentioning, uh, were just general animal farmers that I think were concerned like, okay, well, if they're going to, if they're going to stop fur farming, where is this going to lead to? Like yes. it was a fear of where is this going to Stop. lead to? Are, are we, yeah. are they going to, okay, yeah. they get fur banned. Are they going to get, are they going to get, you know, meat banned next? You know, like just freaking right. out type of thing about that. And you mentioned COVID. I think that we should talk about that because I, what do you, because when I, I listened to the hearing and it, COVID seemed to be the main concern. Well, I don't want to say the main concern because I, I, there were many activists that spoke on behalf of the animals and it was beautiful. Being COVID was a big part of the reason that this, it seemed to me that this bill was, that made it, made it as far as it did. Would, would you agree with that or can you speak to that? That is because there were limitations placed on Washington legislature this session uh, because of COVID. We could not introduce this as an animal welfare bill. We had to introduce it as an anti-COVID measure. That's the only type of bills we were allowed to do this year. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that part. Well, I didn't mean it is a concern. I mean, it can Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the COVID is a legit, you know, it's legit. Can, can you speak to why it is a concern and when it comes to specifically mink farming? Yeah. And, and like what, is, what has been the frequency of COVID outbreaks in fur farms locally that you know of? I've heard of I've heard of a few. Yeah. Well, there were definitely a few outbreaks that happened in just near us in Oregon. But um, worldwide, there have been outbreaks in over nine countries. Like there's like Lithuania, there's Netherlands, Denmark. Denmark was the one that had a mink variant, like spread to the mink, mutated, and then passed back to humans. So wow. there was actually in the public hearing that there hadn't been any of that. But no, uh, there is a mink variant that was transmitted to humans. And so... Denmark, as a preventative measure, had agreed to call all of their mink. They stopped doing it because they were experiencing other issues with burying the mink because the mink were resurfacing. So and then, what happened in the Netherlands Like with that? Did they stop the farming? They, The Netherlands actually accelerated their fur farming ban to this year. They're scheduled to close this year instead. Um, it was originally four years from now. Wow, that's great. That's great. In a bunch of countries where they accelerated their closure date, like places that were already planning on closing. Germany, for example, and France also. How many thousands of lives did that save? That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I know it's yeah. like three million mink just out uh, just from the United States every year. Wow. I don't yeah. know what it is worldwide, but yeah, I, I read three million. Um, I'm curious if the general public even knows really what a mink looks like. They're similar to like a ferrets, yeah. right? Yeah. Which people have as pets here. They love their ferrets, you know, yeah. like they're not that 
different. And I'm sure just like any animal that you've met and bonded with have distinct personalities, you know, they feel fear and pain. And, and I guess we should maybe get into, you know, the achy truth of like, what, what is life like for them at a mink farm? Life on a fur farm for the animals is exceptionally miserable. I mean, they are mostly housed in wire cages. They don't have a floor of the cage. They're barely big enough for them to turn around. Um, farmed animals have exhibited behavioral problems, like psychological problems. They always have missing limbs, eating, infected wounds, bent feet. They self-mutilate. There's cannibalism. And then when you get to their deaths, like when it's time for them to be processed into a fur product, they're typically killed by gassing or electrocution, anal electrocution, or their necks being broken. Those methods aren't always fully effective, so a lot of times they end up being skinned alive. And if we're not even talking about just mink fur farming, the rabbits that are farmed for fur too, they're plucked alive. Their, their fur is pulled out of them alive, and they just until they can't harvest as much anymore, and then they're subject to the same types of death. It's, re it's really terrible. Um, with so many alternatives to this, that there's absolutely no reason in 2021 that we need to be farming. Absolutely. Yeah, it's horrendous. I read that minks are partly aquatic, so like they really should have access to water, like not just to drink water, but to 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 be live in water because that's part of who they are, just like a duck, kind of like a duck. So to be in a cage is, I mean, it's cruel anyway, but it's ex just extremely cruel. Right, it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah, definitely. During a regular day, they would span thousands of miles, like roaming around and they're trapped in these cages and that's why it causes them to literally go so i think like other animal farms pollution is an issue and i know that that has been an issue with our local farms like they've been fined multiple times for water pollution because the you know animals poop you know yeah <laughs> all animals poop and and they need to get rid of it somehow and it's leaked into our water systems and pollutes our water systems so that's that's, you know, yet another reason why, you know, ban should go through. But going back to COVID, which is kind of had to be the main focus to get this into legislature this year. Do you think that that helped or hindered the initiative to, pa to pass through? Well, originally we thought that it was special in a way for the virus to be spreading along around mink farms because it's just, just one more reason for them to close. We already have enough evidence that they should be closed. There's overwhelming public support. It's toxic to the environment, releases air pollutants, like you said. It's immense cruelty to animals. But then now this virus that has affected the whole world is spreading along the mink farms. It's absolute madness. But then it found to be an incredible hindrance because our bill wasn't heard in time. Public hearing wasn't heard in time for it to be considered for a full house vote. So we have to reintroduce it next year. They did move along with the public hearing. So we were able to talk to the first representatives in the first committee. But next year, we'll probably be able to reintroduce it as more, more of like a not necessarily only animal welfare and not necessarily only anti-COVID or only better for the planet. We'll be able to introduce it as a fully rounded problem. Amanda, have the, are there other states that you know of that have, you know, states in the United States that have banned 
the production of fur? Well, in California, they have. And then in New York, I believe that they have. And then they introduced legislature this year in Hawaii, too. I'm pretty sure that in Oregon, it's passing this year, too. They both passed to the first committees. That's awesome. It's, it's incredibly frustrating having to, being an animal, like, passionate animal activist and dealing with legislature, you know, it's just such a lengthy process, but I think, you know, we're on our way, right. You know, you got our foot in the door and next year we're going to have so much more support. We'll just keep on, you know, sharing what you're doing and and where we're going and, and just sharing this knowledge publicly. We'll get more people on board, I think. Well, and it's, it's a dying industry. I mean, it's, Retailers, every month you see a new retailer is committed to not selling fur. You, every month you hear another designer commits to not produce, you know, using fur in their products. I mean, it's a dying industry. And so, you know, we are, we're sensitive to small businesses. We, we understand that. But it's a dying industry. How about we think of what can be sustainable that's, that's, um, not cruel, right. <laughs> of course, right. but you know, what can we do? And I even heard that they were thinking about um, doing, you know, grant bills to support right. farmers that want to go on and do something different, you know, something that doesn't include this. Do you know much about right. those grants, Amanda? We don't, we don't have really much information because we ha- haven't passed the bill. So we don't ha- know too much about what grants are available. And I know also, Aren't they thinking about introducing something uh, federal for us to switch over to more sustainable businesses? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's definitely something worth looking into. Well, I, I know it's just it needs to be part of the conversation, and um, because there, it is a concern for you know the community. They hear you know a small business is, is in danger, but there are things you know we can think of you know the big picture and. Hopefully, there will be grants available. Right. Thank you. Well, I mean, how all small businesses, and I run a small business, so I get it. Like, you need to deal with the ebb and flow of business, and you need to evolve to what the community wants. You know, people that sold, you know, rotary phones eventually went out of business because people got cell phones. You know, like it's typewriters. You don't buy typewriters anymore. You use a computer. Like, yeah. Let's do it now. Yeah. Still, you know, I mean, it's, I heard that most of the fur that's produced here in the United States is actually shipped overseas because there really isn't, I mean, I know that the the climate, you know, the climate, it has something to do with climate, I'm sure, but a lot of people don't want to wear fur. And like, I've seen videos of people who were wearing fur, but they didn't realize it was real fur. And they were, they were mortified, you know, that they, that they found out it was real fur. So. Do you know much about that, about how, um, the laws and stuff. I'm sorry. I'm asking. I'm asking you. You may not even know. Well, for example, like the little the little pens with the bobbles that have the little fur bobbles on them, or or you know your winter hat with the little fluff ball on it. Like a lot of people just assume because they bought the hat for three dollars at H and M or whatever that. Sorry, I don't know for sure that H and M has them. So <laughs> don't sue me, H and M. But H and M has been fur. So there's no fur at H&M, at least. Okay, good. Oh, that's good. All right, sorry. Thank you, H&M. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, like other, other stores that, that have that, and, they, and they're marked as all man-made materials. But, you know, how do you know? I've, I've heard plenty of times that... They were dog or cat. They were dog or cat from yeah. China yeah. or something like that. And 
Thanks. You know, A, the laws surrounding that. Probably not, because maybe you do. But B, <laughs> how do you tell the difference between real fur and fake fur? Do you know that? I'm not sure how you would tell the difference. I mean, I can barely tell myself, like, right. you know, uh, and when you see that it's man-made materials, you can't be sure. I mean, like you said, it's possible that it's just from another country and they don't have as strict labeling laws as us. And it comes over here and it really is dog or cat fur or any other animal that is equal to them. Right. <laughs> um, I, there's no way to really be sure it's best to just avoid it altogether. Right. Yeah. Or buy from, yeah, or buy from sources that you know that will state right. also I, I mean i think that we should talk about the because we do believe in you know low waste and um, being sustainable as possible there are i heard that they're working on you know that they're doing fur like corn based so it is biodegradable and like some oh, fur, some faux fur is um you made by using recycled um ocean plastic cool so that's you know that's something right <laughs> something, right so. yeah definitely what is the status of the initiative now you said that it didn't go through so what does that mean? Well, basically, it was introduced to the House. They had their first public hearing, but because the public hearing was after the bill policy cutoff, it'll have to be reintroduced next year. But the benefit of it being reintroduced next year is we won't have so many limitations and won't have to introduce it as just an anti-COVID measure. We can introduce it as anti-COVID, better for the planet, better for animals, and what the public really wants. So, yeah, so you did mention that. You did talk about that. So between now and next year, what can we do? What can our listeners do that are fired up about this? Well, we plan on having as many rolling fur protests as possible. We just want to keep generating um, support. We need everybody to show up. Like We need it to be obvious that Washington doesn't want this happening in our state. It's hurting our planet. It's literally where we live. This is beautiful Pacific Northwest and we're polluting it with animal manure when we don't need to. And yeah, the more bodies that show up at the protest, the better. Not every role is a speaking role. Nobody needs to be nervous about being arrested or about having to speak to people without knowing what they're talking about. There's plenty of silent roles. It's fine. We just need you to show up. And then when the time comes, we need everyone to email the representatives. We need them to contact the representatives that are on the committee and say, we need this to be passed because there are opposition, like there, the families of the fur farmers and the people that are related to the fur farmers are definitely going to be emailing in. So we need everybody else to be saying, no, we don't want this. The fur farmers can go into a different business. Like this is hurting us. It's hurting the animals. It's not appropriate. We need the ratio of pro passing the ban to be really, really high, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of emails need to come in. A lot of people need to register for testimony. And testimony doesn't have to be verbal. It can be written testimony. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. It can just say, please pass the fur ban. You know, that's enough just to garner the support. The representatives are literally just people representing their district. And they don't know which way to vote if the people in the district aren't telling them how to vote. That's a very good so that would be that's very good. Yeah. So have you found that petitions or other other resources available how are they most frequently uh shared like is it is facebook a a good tool for you instagram social media or are there other tools that you're using that people can look out for no social media is is largely the only one really i mean other emails definitely but for this specific type of action 
what has to happen is for people to go on the legislature website. That's really effective too, because we can deliver a huge amount of signatures to everybody on the staff, but individual emails that are genuinely written from an individual person are really effective in gaining support. Right. Okay. So we're going to try and include some links too. The audio wasn't ideal. So we want to be able to include some links to where people can log in and get all of the email addresses to send these letters. Maybe there's a template available of just any resource that the public could utilize. And, and we're going to send them not, not exactly to you, but kind of to you. So that, so that they'll have, I'm sure that you have like a sort of a, a platform where they can log in and, and, and be told like, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. And, and I mean, I, I shared some of your posts just recently and, and it had a, the exact thing, like click here, sign here. And, and it was just so easy. It was just so easy. So I'm looking forward to sharing that information. Thank you so much. Yeah, we can get that together. Just give me a list and I'll provide whatever you need. Perfect. Yeah. And um, so people can follow the animal rights initiative. That would be a good place to start. So you can join in on any protests, um, any email campaigns that need to happen. And then we will, I, I was thinking I was going to add the link to the Actually, we could watch the testimonials. Oh, that'd be great! I watched. I watched. Oh, yeah. it twice. I watched it twice. <laughs> oh, and, nice! Oh, that's so cute. Well, it's just you know, I thought. Well, first of all, I knew some of the people. I was like watching my friends. Right. <laughs> super proud. Yeah, of I know. Super, super proud. Of Me that. too. But it was. I. I think it's really important to kind of know the opposition and what you know. What are people? Why? Why do they oppose this? So we'll add that link as well. Um, people can see that, and then they can. That will kind of get them ready for next year when they want to sign up and do it as well. So awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I think we just really need to get people hyped up and yeah. and vocal against mm-hmm. it. Like you can you can think to yourself, oh, that's horrible. But until we tell our community and our, like I said, our representatives that we don't want this. Like we are loud and clear that we don't want this. You know, that that's really the, the step that needs to be taken. Yes, exactly. And it's as simple as just sending an email. Right on. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for talking with us today. I know it's, it's always a challenge with Zoom, but I think we, I think we got what we needed. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, hey, thank you so time. much. You guys are so cute. It's great to see you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Bellingham Veg Fest show. If there are topics that you'd love to hear more about, please reach out. You can find us at bellinghamvegfest.org and be sure to follow Bellingham Veg Fest on Instagram and Facebook.